fellas. And fellinas. Uh, it's Joby. We're doing the Gap. It's another solo air, baby. Gap, episode 421. It is Friday, the 1st of June. And uh, I have started this podcast without finishing my fucking breakfast again. But uh, thanks to some um, lengthy constructive criticism on the last solo cast, I will not even attempt to eat my breakfast. I'll just let it fucking sit here and go cold. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Going solo again because Luke is sick as a dog. He uh, was too sick to even watch the basketball on the weekend, which means he must be on death's door. Like, that's some that's some shit. He was too sick to come eat endless bags of crabs on the weekend. Like, I was watching the basketball and eating infinity bags of crabs. And he was too sick to even come out to that. So I am going to drink my coffee because um, I'm not letting that go cold. Uh, it's damn good coffee. But uh, I won't eat my stupid porridge. It's fine. It's cold oats anyway. It's overnight oats. So it's... I wouldn't... Don't, don't cry for me. Anyway, um... I guess we'll, uh, we'll jump right in, shall we? We'll talk about some games I've been playing. Only me, I guess. Uh, Luke couldn't talk about any games that he's been playing anyway because he hasn't played any fucking games because he's been too sick. He's been too sick to sit at home and play video games. That is how sick he has been. Um, yeah, so... I mean... You know, good riddance to bad rubbish, really. Like... What has he ever brought to the table? Fucking Luke. Just, you know, I am going to have to send this to him so he can edit it and put it on the site. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. He's, a, he's an important part of the process, I suppose. Um, let's see. What do we got this week to talk about? Let's kick things off with uh, objects in space. I'm going to talk about this one pretty briefly. Uh, obviously, I am friends with the team at um, Flat Earth. I don't know why I said it. Obviously, there's no reason for you to know that uh, unless you've been listening to this podcast for many years, in which case you would definitely have heard both Alyssa and Lee uh, from Flat Earth Games on the podcast Previously, uh, Alyssa did the Mass Effect 3 um, spoiler cast with us. It was awesome. Uh, And uh, Lee has been on many times for whatever reason. But um, anyway, they create games and they made Objects in Space. And Objects in Space is, uh, I'm sure, well, I remember, but... uh, Alyssa and I used to talk about fucking dumb submarine games all the time. Uh, And I have also wanked on about how space combat isn't enough like submarine combat, even though realistically that is how it would all go. Like it would be because submarine combat is um, that um, combat beyond visual range that you, that is the very un-Hollywood style uh that uh like flight combat actually is like 
the the Top Gun concept of like flying right behind people and like we don't use fucking machine guns anymore. The Red Baron would have uh, locked onto a target from fifty fucking kilometers away, pressed a button, and then flown off, and he still would have been in fuck tons of danger. But uh, yeah, he could have then locked onto someone else and gotten his kills up as fast as he could possibly lock onto people with faulty, uh, I guess, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fucking threat indicator, faulty threat indicators. So, uh, yeah, anyway, combat beyond visual range is, uh, yeah, is what, what happens in submarines because you can't fucking see anything in submarine. And, uh, so this idea that, uh, Space would be mostly that style of combat, and that like that doesn't mean that you you're not able to see what you're firing at, but it it's more about the abstract way that you're aware of what you're in combat with, because you can still like like you still uh, perceive something out there right there is still something when you're in combat against something you can't technically see except on a radar screen but you can still see the radar screen right so for all intents and purposes once you rewire your brain in that manner you can see the fucking bogey right um yeah objects in space sort of uh plays into that it takes the submarine combat and um and transports it into space obviously and transports it into a uh freelancer style like a fucking a space sim like with an economy and like missions and shit we roll around and uh it's pretty cool it's got like it's it's quirky it's in beta uh so up front obviously uh i i pointed out that uh the team from flat earth uh on like have been on the podcast, they're my friends. I play squash with Lee. Uh, so upfront, this is not a review or anything like that. Um, I am going to try to remain as objective as possible, but you know, there might be some bias because they're my friends. Uh, but I, I like, I genuinely like it. Like, I, but with that in mind, uh, yeah, we like. Alyssa and I have spoken about this concept before. Like it's something that I knew I would like because Alyssa understands uh, submarine combat and understands like our like our shared philosophy on how it should be translated to space combat. And on top of that, like uh, they both got like a fantastic uh, sense for like sci-fi and storytelling and stuff like that so yeah then i was probably always going to like it like it's provided it's executed well i was probably always going to like it i just remembered um towncraft their first game was conceived on the gap uh, so yeah Definitely not going to be unbiased over here. We're not getting any fucking cut of it, but yeah, there's a history, right? Anyway, uh, as long as it's executed well, I'm probably going to fucking like it, right? But there is a lot to like, right? There is a lot to like about a game that knows what it wants to do.
do, which is submarine combat in space, in, in like a, a space with uh, its own internal economy and, um, and like reasons for you to, to travel the galaxy and stuff like that. There, there's like, if it knows what it wants to do and it manages to capitalize on it, then yeah. Like there's no reason to, to expect it. it wouldn't be all that. That said, uh, there's some quirks, some quirky quirks um, that have been bugging me pretty much from the get go. It, uh, like it's got a very old school, uh, I guess vibe to it. So it does a, a lot of it, like those not exactly Sierra uh, quest games, but like in the like aesthetic is definitely there. And uh, the old school adventure game style of like screens with people on them that you talk to. And I guess it's, it's prop like cropped up again now in visual novels that like background, that backdrop and then a layer with a character and things you can interact with, right? So it does that, which I like, uh, but it, it also goes so far as to, like, everything is sort of crammed over to the right-hand side of the keyboard as opposed to the left, uh, which I'm very much not a fan of. I mean, you are supposed to still use your mouse at times, so uh, I don't know if it's built to be played without a mouse at all. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that because they're giant dorks, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I like yeah. Uh I appreciate the uh the nods and nostalgia, but uh we've I th- I think that's one area where we've moved on in a way that is uh I don't know, it's much better for us to have carried across to the WASD um like platform because you don't want to have to shift your entire desk around so that you can play a game comfortably, you know, and it is one of those games where it feels like you'll be playing it for a while. Uh, what's the other thing? Skipping text. Uh, you press and hold space to skip text, but, uh, it doesn't have a hard stop. So uh, I skipped through a fucked up text by accident. Cause uh, I was like trying to work out how to skip text. And I press and hold space and it skips through, but it skipped through like fucking five blips of dialogue. And this is at the start of the game when it's trying to teach you how to play. (laughs) So I just blasted all the way through. I had to restart the game because I had no no idea what I was. I could, you can sort of like, you can work it out. It's actually, um, it's quite good uh, in a contextual sense in that you can actually work it out. And I was piecing my way through it, but I felt like I would be better off restarting because I was only, uh, I think like 10 minutes in at this point, not even 10 minutes, five minutes in at this point. And uh, so I'm like, ah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll go again. It'll be fine. And uh, yeah, I, I had actually missed a, f- a few little bits uh, or one little bit rather. Um, so yeah, uh, just like niggles, I guess, with the uh, the UI and stuff that I, I'd love to see. But th- that's what this is. This is an open beta for Objects in Space. So you, they had like a sign up phase uh, a little while ago. I tweeted it, 
Uh, I definitely signed up, obviously. Um, and yeah, once you get out into the world, it feels like really, it feels really good. It feels like uh, they have ac- actually executed on on the idea really well. Um, I'm still like faffing about because I'm trying to, uh, I guess, do what you're supposed to do in a beta but I'm trying to push some limits and see what I can get away with. But uh, I think I'm getting the feeling I'm restricted by tutorial. Uh, I've only played another half an hour after I restarted before I had to bail. Uh, and I'll definitely be playing more on the weekend. But uh, if it, yeah, it feels really fucking good. And it's more like, yeah, you, you kind of have to see it. It's got this really old school vibe. But again, like... When I, like, you don't see, you are looking at basically a, um, like, top down, I guess, is the way you describe it. Uh, like, asteroids style, but not, like, more visually rich than that. But, uh, like, that is to, to imagine it, right? If you have a look at some fucking screenshots, you'll get it immediately, right? And I'm just fucking up describing it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's one of those, like, it, it is very abstract. And you, you do have to sort of get your brain into that mode to to be, uh, to, to be able to experience uh like the world in that way because otherwise it might feel a little dull i guess compared to you know the visual flashiness of star citizen or whatever the fuck right but the difference between this and star citizen is that this is actually fucking coming out and isn't a giant scam um like yeah i don't know man it's it's cool but like i've said already there might be some internal biases there. So, yeah. Uh, I reckon, like, it's absolutely worth checking out. Uh, it's out, like, really fucking soon. Uh, I should know this, huh? Um, wonder if I can look at the store page and it will tell me. Um, available in June. I think it's the 9th of June or something like that. And, um... It'll be it'll be released in early access, which I think is a good thing. Uh, like I think it will lead to, uh, I guess a a better, a more refined version of their vision, uh, because I don't think either of them or anyone at Flat Earth is uh, is going to, I guess, capitulate to the whims and wills of uh, Joe Public. They know what they want to create and that's what they'll make. Um, So, yeah, I think that is... Yeah, I think that's a a really good thing. Like, I think Early Access is perfect for it. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Get, get in. Like you, there's there's so much depth, and it's all like represented in this retro futuristic manner. Like this, like it's all like fucking this 
DOS command terminal shit where you're sitting at like this computer and anytime like anytime something fucks up you can uh, you can basically like rewire your ship to still operate while like you can for example I don't know if you can do this exactly I think this is this was the example but uh, they were using it at PAX but um, you can like turn off your life support to to get your engines going or some shit and you just have to then pray that you make it to fucking to a, a space station before you die basically and shit like that like this idea that uh, you're in it's like fucking Firefly like you're on this bucket of bolts in the sky trying to keep it going and yeah that's that's the game is is that this fucking barely keeping shit together space submarine game and yeah um i'm fucking stoked for the the flat earth crew but uh, i'm even more excited to like get in and play it properly because it's some loony shit and yeah it's very cool anyway uh enough about that let's move on to moonlighter uh, Moonlighter dropped this week. Uh, seemed to have a, a fairly decent um, reception online. People were were pretty thrilled um, to, I guess, see it uh, it releasing. I hadn't heard about it at all until it came out, um, but I'm, I, I get it now. Like it's this. Uh, it's a game where you play both. Uh, like store owner and adventurer. So you go down into the the dungeon, and when you come back, you've got you sell all the things that you brought with you. And so it's a bit of like uh, town management, like t- town management light, mixed with uh, a decent. Dungeon Crawler? I don't think the combat is the best. Like, I've definitely rolled into some better combat systems than this one because it feels pretty clunky. And, uh, like, a lot of the enemies, I feel like they don't really... um, They're not visually capable of teleporting... Telegraphing, rather, their, um, their moves that much. So, uh... I guess like that the the basic you know you come up, up against these golems and you know they've only got one move but it's very hard to see when they're going to do it because they have this very pretty static um, model you know or like, I guess it's a sprint I don't know it might be a model pretty sure it's a sprint um, because it's very static yeah it just that hurts the combat a bit because there is, there are, uh, there's a, a lot of clunk in the way you move. And that's not always the worst, right? I'm not saying that every game has to feel like fucking Dead Cells or some shit, where you just like fucking ping around, rolling, fucking slashing and shit. But um, 
it does hurt it if you have to basically it feels more trial and error right uh learning the ways that enemies attack feels very trial and error and yeah you i don't know that hurts it a little bit in my opinion it just doesn't fit like yeah i don't know so the combat hurts a little bit but then you you go back out and sell all your stuff and um yeah um it's it's cool like i like it i don't know i enjoy it um but i'm not like in love with it uh it doesn't like it doesn't have me locked in i just feel like i'm doing a lot of the same shit uh it's got like pretty good reviews it's got like a 77 on metacritic or something or last i checked 77 or 78 and uh it feels like people are praising it because you know uh it's you know quirky and blah 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 it's it's got unskippable cutscenes which drives me bananas but uh yeah it just feels like you go into the dungeon you get a bunch of stuff and you go back out and you try and sell it and there's like there is a an economy that you're supposed to manage you don't want to flood the market with too many of one thing uh because that'll drive the price down but that too feels like the pricing system feels very trial and error and so it, it that lends to the tedium i guess it feels like two two spaces that have a great idea and like a critical flaw each that holds it back from being really good if that makes sense. So yeah, you've got the fucking that the dull animations that hurt the combat and you've got this trial and error style of uh pricing in the shopkeeping. And outside of that, it's mostly just town management where you're trying to get new people to come in and um and you gotta pay for that and it doesn't really justify it correctly and yeah, I like, I'd like, I, so like, I guess I'll, I'll elaborate. When you're just selling shit uh, in, um, this, this is the fucking hard part about doing a solo podcast because usually Luke would be like, what are you talking about? Or what do you mean, right? And I'm going to fucking think to myself, right? Because I, I know the part, like the reasons, right? But I'm going to think, why is it like that? What is it about this fucking system? It sounds like there's a dull, like, in the background. And I heard it this morning at like five o'clock, it woke me up. And I am going to be honest, I thought it was aliens. I always think every noise is aliens in the middle of the night. I'm always like, fuck. Here we go. Here comes the end of the world. It's aliens. Um, I don't know. I don't have an alien plan, eh? I don't have, like, I got a zombie plan. Everyone knows my zombie plan. It's the best zombie plan. Strap swords to my arms and then become a boss zombie, right? It is the best fucking plan. You can't beat that plan. Uh, but alien plan, I don't know. I don't think... I've got a good one. Uh, like, 
Because they probably, like, I don't really have a lot to bring to that table, I guess. You know, like, I'm not going to be, can't fly a plane and, uh, or, like, I can't write a computer program to hack them or anything. I'm clearly locked in on Independence Day aliens, obviously. Uh, and there's lots of different aliens. Um, I can hide uh, pretty well. And uh, I reckon I could hide in my apartment pretty well because it becomes like sort of a dead zone pretty quickly. So I could probably put that one together. But yeah, if it required me to be like silent, like in fucking a quiet place, just fucking just do it. It looks like people in that movie die pretty quickly. So yeah, just fucking let's wrap this shit up. Let's go. Let's go already. Bring it on, aliens. Uh, anyway, so the way you sell shit is you've got this uh, table, this shopkeep table in your um, in your store, and so you go up to different sections and you put an item down, and then you set a price for it. And the way to tell if the price is right or not, price is wrong, bitch, uh, is to watch the reactions of people when they appraise it. So if they have a frowny face, then it's too expensive. If they have a smiley face, then it is a good price. And if they have like a super smiley face, then you have drastically under uh, priced an item and you have just fucked yourself out of a bunch of money. And uh, yeah, it's very much, you don't know what, you don't even have a fucking... When you start out, you've got no fucking clue what anything is worth. You're just trying to, like, you're taking a punt at what people might use certain things for. It's not like there's a fucking, like, there's there's this economy that you're supposed to manage, but it's not like there's a fucking stock ticker telling you what everything's worth or whatever. So you just fucking, you see what happens. And then, luckily, it's got a, an inbuilt diary, so you don't have to fucking somehow remember what the reactions were to things, but yeah, over the course of the, like the more stuff you get, it just means more opportunities for you to like waste a bunch of time, not selling something while you try to find the correct price for it. And like, it can be, it's difficult to know how, like you take, I I take a punt at certain things. Um, Fuck man. Like, yeah, you you can just sit there for ages, like adjusting. And I I'm not like making small adjustments. It's not like I chuck it up for two hundred bucks and the frowny face me, and then I'm like, well, one ninety five then. No, I chuck it up for two hundred bucks, and then I'll drop it to fucking a hundred, like straight away. I'll half the price and see if that works, and then I'll half it again. And then I'll have it again. And like, I started out at 200 and this thing was worth fucking eight bucks, apparently. Like, that's pretty fucking boring. I'm going to be honest. It's a, and it feels like one of those things that could be pretty quickly um, fixed if all, all I did was um, like give you some sort of, like even just a, you know, there was that game um, Drug Wars, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys ever played it, but uh, it, you were basically selling dope. Maybe it was Dope Wars. 
Uh huh. But yeah, you you it was literally just an economy management game, and you would like you'd buy things low and sell them high, and uh, there were a few other things going on where you had to like manage like uh, guns for hire and shit like that. But generally, it was basically a buy low, sell high game, and uh, they would do like a, a news blast. And it didn't have to be something you had. It could be like, uh, it'd be like police in Miami uh, take down massive cocaine or make massive cocaine bust. And you would know then if you went to Miami, you'd be able to sell your cocaine for a lot of money because suddenly the market was was done with it, Right. If I had to do something like this, that in this, where you, like, they just would, like, just have the customers wander in and, like, say things. The customers walk in and they only do frowny faces or smiley faces. Have them walk in and be, like, casually talking. They don't have to be talking to one another. They don't have to be talking to anyone. Just be like, I wouldn't buy an iron bar for more than 15 bucks. Right, and it doesn't matter if you've got an iron bar yet to sell, right? Well, once you've got it, you've got an idea of the price range, right? Don't put it up at fifteen bucks because fuck that person, right? Like they can't afford your quality iron bars, right? Chuck it up at twenty, but at least you don't start out at fucking two hundred because you don't want to fucking because you don't want to do it the other way, right? You don't want to sell something that's worth two hundred bucks for eight bucks and gradually sell more of them as you go up, you know? So it is literally just a, it's a negative feedback loop. Um, and yeah, they can 100, yeah, it'd be such a quick fix and it'd be, it'd actually add a lot to the, because as it is, right, sitting in the shop, gradually adjusting prices is just pretty fucking dull. The more I talk about this, the more I dislike this game. Um, and I don't actually, I actually like, I, I'm, it's mildly compelling, right? Like, I, I kept coming back to it. I haven't finished it. And I actually want to, you know? So it's, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I guess, yeah, that's that'd be an easy way to... Fuck, man. Two easy fixes would, would just elevate this game so fucking hardcore. More visually uh, interesting animations... So that you could, so that enemies properly telegraphed what the fuck they were doing, and uh, and yeah, just a bit of chatter in the towns. Uh, too many, like when you wander around the town, too many people say exactly the same thing as well, which is never a good thing. It always feels really bad. They'll just they'll try to give you the same tip or whatever, and yeah, it's it's dull, dull, dull. I tell you. Um, anyway, it's like, I wouldn't recommend it to be honest. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it at full price. I'd recommend it at half price if you've got some time, but I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. Games. There was another one, right? There was another one that did this sort of thing. It was like Racketeer or whatever the fuck it was. I remember enjoying that a lot more than I enjoyed this, although I cannot remember that game at all. So, I don't know. I don't remember a lot of things, and I'm still only halfway through my coffee, so... Anyway, um, 
yeah, hang out for a sale. What else we got? Post scriptum. This game is fucking bananas. Um, last week we talked about World War Two. Sorry, Battlefield Five in World War Two. Uh, I don't know if I said it exclusively because I can't remember anything I say on this podcast, but. Uh, They're borrowing heavily from Squad. They're clearly borrowing he- heavily from Squad or Project Reality, right? Like, which was uh, Battlefield fucking Battlefield Two mod, and then Battlefield Two mod Project Reality became Squad, and now it looks like yeah, Battlefield Five is borrowing from Squad because you have like lengthy fucking medic system. Uh, anyone can medic anyone, uh, like heal anyone to a certain extent. Uh, you got to drag. You can drag people into like safety. You can build basic things, which implies there might be logistics, shit like that. Right? They're borrowing heavily from Squad, so it's World War Two and Squad. But like for casuals, Postscriptum is World War Two squad for fucking hardcores. It is lunacy. It is. I've never felt so fucking terrified for my life. Well, I haven't felt this way since Daisy. Uh, you roll around on these maps. Gorgeous game, um, and. Like it's it's generally one shot kill. Uh, yeah, you you're supposed to stick with your squad. Uh, it falls to bits if you're on a squad that isn't communicating, and it is the best game ever if you're in a squad where everyone's like there's a lot of chatter. Um, like it doesn't even have to be on point. You just need one person who has a fucking like idea of what they're doing, uh, who can like get shit back on track, right? And you just, like, just that one person who will lock it in and be like, yep, all right, quiet, boys, let's do this and let's push this building. You get ready, let's go. Covering fire, et cetera, et cetera. Let's build this fob. Let's build a super fob. No, uh, and yeah, you just sort of fucking, you push through on a, in a squad that is like working together and it feels fucking amazing. They're like shit is on point and you can always tell when you've accidentally joined a squad that isn't, that has a shit like squad leader and shit because they'll have like one spawn point. They won't have any fucking fobs. They won't have any ability for you to get into the fight sooner than running all the way from fucking spawn. And uh, you can always tell when your team's going to lose if uh, when you spawn a shit like more than your squad also spawns back there because it means nobody has been building fobs. Um, And obviously there's, you know, always complications in the the system. I mean, the, the fucking... There might not be anyone playing logistics. There might not be anyone, you know providing the support people just might like not want to be doing like playing that sort of game at that point in time you know they might not want to be a squad lead but someone gonna fucking do it and yeah if it doesn't happen and it's happening on the other team then you bet your fucking ass you're gonna lose it's okay it doesn't really matter it never feels that like 
I've never felt like winning versus losing is that monumental in squad or project reality. You, you definitely feel bad when you lose, but that, like, you always will. But it's more about those moments, right? Those individual, like, that's the battle, right? The map win-loss is the battle. And these games are about, like, those tiny encounters within each battle where you're, like, you've been running for a minute and you make it to a, a barn. This is, and this actually happens to me. Um, I'm like a hundred meters behind my entire squad. Uh, and like, they're already up further. Uh, I, I make it to this barn. I, I get inside, uh, and then suddenly I hear footsteps and I look on my map and there's nobody from my team anywhere fucking near me. My squad's a hundred meters up ahead. Uh, there, there's another squad like well out to my west so uh, yeah uh, well, I was heading north at the time um, yeah so yeah my squad's 100 north and there's footsteps on me and I'm like oh fuck and uh, I crouch in this corner and it's it's like three members of the German team and they just fucking they leap over into the barn and they haven't seen me and there's three of them. And uh, I was at a fucking loss because my choice, like, my, I was, like, paralyzed because I had, I had to do one or two things, right? Either explain to my squad that there are Germans in our back line and they were, like, running over to go, like, line up the squad or I could try and shoot them but I've got a fucking single shot like bolt action fucking turd of a gun and I don't think I can kill all three of them in time I mean it's I didn't have a pistol uh uh-huh. I'm like I think this I don't know what to do I radioed into my squad um while shooting at them I'm like Germans in the back line Germans in the back line because uh I'm Pretty sure if it works like squad or project reality, uh, they would be able to hear me talking to my squad. Like there's proximity voice. And so I'm like super panicked. Um, but yeah, I tried shooting. I, I got two of them. The third one, I shouldn't have got two of them. Basically I got shot. Like I shot one. He was free. Went to shoot the second one, missed shot again uh, hit him, but he shot me and somehow I didn't die. He must have hit low or something. Uh, and so I shot him, one shot dead, and then I go on the third, but he's already done me. Uh, um, yeah, it's fucking... It was awesome. It was super cool. My Yeah, I was fucking... Like, on edge. It was crazy. Um, that one was really cool. The other really good one was uh, I was... A lot of shit happens to me while I'm fucking lagging behind my squad. Uh, yeah, so I'm lagging behind this, the whole. The, the, I think there was like six of them. They were in this house. They were on a cap, and uh, I'm like about to cross this road through this hedge, and uh, you can hear 
uh, I hear this fucking rumble and then this massive explosion. Like it was loud enough that I had to turn my fucking headphones down because uh, like, you know, you can feel it in your ears, right? Like actually like you sense actual feeling of the vibrations of your ears and like, well, I'm never hearing that again. Uh, yeah. Fuck me, man. I had to, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was a fucking Panther, um, a tank and it rolled up on the fucking, on the house and the chatter, the squad was full fucking panic mode. And, uh, they're like, Oh, uh, Jabby, can you, can you do something about the tank? Oh, I've got fucking, I've got one grenade and a smoke grenade and no, I can't do anything about the tank. <laughs> I chucked the smoke grenade in front of it between it and the house and I uh, figured that'd buy them some time. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. But the sound this thing made, it was utterly terrifying. And uh, yeah, it's spectacular. All the sound in this game is is like revolutionary. It, it feels like, like nothing I've ever been through before. It makes, I've I've never fucking, yeah, it's just, it's balanced in such a way that is like, I definitely have to play on fucking lower than a hundred percent because most of the time it's immersive as fuck. And then occasionally it's so loud. You're definitely worried that you may have just been deafened a little bit. And I think that's spectacular. Um, like Squad, it has, yeah, it has the same problem. Like when you're playing in a game, in a game with a squad that isn't talking, it just feels so bad. It feels like you are just wandering around pretty much aimlessly. Like, you know, where it feels like if, um, if like every time you respawn in Battlefield, uh, you had to wander the entire length of a battlefield map before you could get into the next, into the actual combat area. And then when you finally get in there, you're a one shot kill and you have to wait 40 seconds before you can respawn and you have to do the run again. And that's, that's not good, but that's like, it's one of those things, right? It's one of those situations where I think a developer has to know, has to trust players enough that they will play the game the way it's meant to be played. Because if they don't, if you don't trust your players, then you dilute the experience to make it more palatable and diluting the experience robs it of those like, the monumentally uh, spectacular moments that occur. You know, that tank thing, right? Like, if that happened, if a tank rolled up in Battlefield, like, fucking eight tanks roll up on in Battlefield, like, a day. I'd spend... The entire Battlefield series, I've spent literally hunting tanks. Literally, on foot, my entire fucking world is just killing tanks, Right? Ever since I got fucked to death by one camping prick in an APC on Carcand, all I've wanted to do is kill tanks nonstop. It's my life's goal, right? 
any battlefield that allows me to do it is better for it, right? The, the, I don't know, like fucking special forces dudes in fucking uh, Battlefield 2 and like just rolling around oh, or jets, right? But like fucking blind firing on jets and fucking shit up. Fucking up armor is my fucking jam, right? But this, it it, it wasn't a t- like this is not a tank rolling up. This is fucking, this is a fucking a monster. This was a fucking this was a a god, as far as we were concerned. We had literally there was nothing we could do about it because we like the guys in on the point already were not equipped and we uh, I was not equipped because uh, we hadn't expected it so they like I dropped smoke it actually helped we we didn't cap the point immediately but they were able to hold out long enough to uh for our own tank to show up our own the outside's tank to show up and help out and our tank came with support. Like our team was like working together, working properly. And so it came with like dudes with Panzer Shreks or whatever the fuck uh, we call them. Bazookas, I guess like fucking. Yeah. It was awesome. It was fucking epic. Like the moment when the tank rolled up was something out of a fucking horror film. And the, the rest, like, killing that tank was my entire game. And I did nothing. I was not a part of it. All I did was drop some smoke and hide and try... And I tried and failed to kill uh, an AT guy on their side. Um, I ran up. I shot him while he was trying to kill our tank. Uh, but I got done before I could finish him off. Um, relayed the information to my team that there was, there was a guy there to out my squad rather and my squaddy, I assume, related to our team. Like, yeah. Killing that tank, killing that one tank was enough for me. Like, that was the win. That was that was a win. And I literally didn't kill the tank. I stalled it at best. But that that is some shit and if you were to dilute the fucking experience then it wouldn't feel that way it'd feel like yeah we kill a tank let's did we win though like or like battlefield right there's now like minor victory right it's it's not enough to fucking win a map you've got to win it with a major victory because otherwise you feel like well we could have done better right so you don't give a fuck in uh, postscript on my squad and shit like that. And I think that's fucking amazing. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly recommend it, but you've got to be in the zone. Like, you have to be about it because if if you're looking for a sort of jump in, jump out experience, you yeah, you're not going to have a good time. Uh, you got to be, you got to jump in. You got to have your mic set up. You got to have like specific bindings for it. I recommend mouse buttons for binds so you can talk to everyone in your squad and chill like that. You got to fucking, yeah. Like you, you got to treat it seriously because it, it's a game that requires your full attention, but you are rewarded for it. 
in a squad that's working together, you are fucking rewarded for it. It's fucking awesome. Um, I think it's out next week, the week after, real soon. Uh, and it's got Aussie servers, which is epic. I had a bunch of them. I think it counted five, and four of them were chock-a-block, and the other one was nearly full. So it's definitely got a halfway decent Aussie community. Yeah. I think if you bought Squad in Alpha, you might already have a key for it. You should check your email. But if you didn't, then, uh, yeah, you'll have to pick it up. I think it's 20 bucks. It's so fucking worth 20 bucks. Uh, yeah, uh, it's 30 bucks. It's it's worth that. Like, yeah, I love it to bits. Uh, can't recommend it enough. I hope they do another fucking weekend test uh, because I would love to jump in again. It's got, yeah, just looking at the fucking Steam page right now, it's got fucking 40 plus playable vehicles and all this shit. It's, it's awesome. Anyway. Uh, one more game on the list. Uh, Raft. Hang on, I'm going to drink some coffee. Okay, Raft. So, uh, this one is an interesting one. I, I got this. I've been playing this for a while. I played it while it was on Itchy. Itch.io. Itch.io. Um... But it was like, it was pretty early days there. There wasn't a lot going on. It was sort of uh, proof of concepts at best. And then, uh, yeah, I got in on, I guess, the Steam version when it released. And I've been playing with Drew. I played a little bit and Squirrels jumped in as well. Um if you see us playing on the discord, you should jump in. We're pretty late game now, I think, but you can get an idea of the lunacy that is there in. Um, <clears throat> I got it cause I wanted something like the forest. It's got co-op. Um, it's got, uh, survival mechanics and, uh, yeah, it seemed, seemed pretty interesting. Uh, it seemed like a halfway between subnautica and the forest to me with co-op. Um, uh, you start out on a raft. It's a four by four raft and uh, you're floating through this ocean and you're just sort of drifting with the current. And uh, it's your job is to survive basically. And to do that, you've got this uh, hook on a rope and you chuck it out and you hook things in. And there's like all sorts of litter in this ocean. So it's, uh, it's pretty sad, but, uh, yeah, you hook in the the debris. You use that debris to create things, and uh, it's it's one of those games where yeah, you start out, you can make a couple of things, but as you go further in, you start to like. Eventually, you know you've got this epic fucking ship that you're rolling on, and that's basically what Raft's about is uh, because everything you do, you have to create attached to your Raft or your original Raft, no less. Uh, which means if you're, that Raft gets away from you, you have to swim to catch up to it because uh, it is your entire life. And 
invariably, if the raft gets away from you, you're dead. Um, so as like as you go along, right, you're building things out. You you build an axe, uh, you build a paddle, you build sails, a fishing rod, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you gotta like you're basically attempting to stay alive for as long as humanly possible, uh, and and to see what what you can like build out. Uh, the complication. Uh, is that there is a shark that, unlike most sharks, uh, which won't bother humans, uh, this one apparently is like the Jaws 4 one and it's out for revenge and you did something to its family. Um, yeah, it's it just hangs around and it's a constant threat. And it's not always like you've usually got a couple of seconds once you're in the water, but like basically... This shark is nearby. It is like on the fucking hook, baby. It's coming. Uh, and yeah, if you jump into the water when it's like right there, it'll get you immediately. If you jump in when it's a fair way away, it'll be lying straight for you. So you've got like, you got to fucking keep an eye on that shark. Every now and then it'll come and chomp on your raft and you can use a spear to stop it from chomping on your shark, uh, on your raft. But uh, if you don't, then it'll just, it'll destroy a part of your raft and you've just got less raft. And uh, I'm still in two minds about whether or not it's worth it to actually stop it. Uh, because it, it destroys your spear, but... Uh, like it hurts your spear to attack a shark, right? Everything in the game has like degradation, uh, which is part of the, I guess the, the system of survival is this idea that like, yeah, it's, it's not up to just have made a spear once you're going to have to make it a couple of times. And through that, uh, you can get better versions of the spear that last longer and longer. And so that sort of incentivizes you to continue to, uh, look for new things and look for ways to in- improve your life, right? Um, yeah. With So if you use the spear on the shark, uh, it, it hurts your spear a bit. Uh, the shark does is still going to do some damage to your raft, and then you have to repair that section of the raft because if the shark attacks again it'll destroy it quicker the problem is repairing costs wood and if the like if the shark does more than i think like 40 percent damage on that piece of raft then shark raft shark fucking hell um if the shark does more than 40 percent damage on that piece of raft then it will take you two wood to fix that piece of like raft and to build a new piece of raft costs two wood and two plastic. So if it does more than I think 60%, you're just better at fucking letting it eat it. If you've, if, if you're that late, you may as well just fucking, um, yeah, just fucking, let it do it because plastic there's plastic everywhere like it's it's almost an eco fucking eco game in the way that 
the oceans are littered. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy how much fucking plastic there is. So, just, but wood wood is not. There's not shitloads of wood. So yeah, and you use wood for a lot of stuff. So yeah, if, if it costs you three wood, you may as well just fucking let the shark eat it. Fuck it. Goodbye, little piece of rock. Build a new one. It's two wood and two plastic. Um. Anyway, that's me getting particularly nerdy about one specific element of the uh, the thing. Um, what else we got? So you float around and you need food. I play it on easy. Play it on medium or hard. The food and drink requirements are like properly oppressive. Like you will spend most of your time only worrying about those two things. And if you don't get lucky early on, uh, you'll probably die like really quickly because food and drink are difficult to come across until you've got a fishing rod uh, or the, and the resources required to boil water so that you can uh, make to like refine salt water into drinkable water. Like you will probably just die. Um, it's a, it's a bummer because I feel like easy is the right balance for food and water, but it, it feels easy in other ways. Like you, it feels like the sharks, not that big a threat and you've got like enough oxygen for days and stuff like that. Like, when you go underwater. Um, so, yeah, it's a bummer, but I, I would prefer to play with slightly easier everything else and the correct tune for food and water than, yeah, like the correct tuning for... Because, yeah, it just means that the the game is artificially harder if food and water are, are more of a concern constantly. Um so anyway, I'm playing on easy and yeah, you, once you get to a point where you've got a paddle, then you s- sort of start to look on the horizon. Every now and then you'll come across an island and uh, if you come across this island, then you want to get on top, on, onto it because it's, it's usually, it's chock-a-block with shit. Um, there'll be trees, there'll be food uh, and yeah, sort of you can use that as a as a way to like stock up on a lot of stuff. But there's another, there's these chests and they have blueprints in them. And the blueprints contain, uh, a, a for like an antenna and a receiver. And it, it means you're able to like create new things. And, um, uh, those are the, those are like story items that you need to, uh, progress through the story, I guess. Um, the other thing about the islands is that they're like they're surrounded by like actually like the sand that you can get to, like the ground. It's the only place you can actually get down to the seafloor, I guess, because uh, the rest of the time it's it's way too deep. And uh, yeah, so that means that you're able to harvest a bunch of stuff. You're able to harvest like metal or sand, clay, seaweed, and stuff like that. And you need that. You don't realize it until you go under there and grab some of this shit, but you need that 
to uh, build a bunch of other stuff. And so it's this, uh, it's that sort of cascading survival that I always talk about. And I always sort of really like that idea that, you know, as you go down the list, your, uh, your ability to create things improves, but you find that there are more things that you need to create, right? This, uh, like uh, that idea that, you know, people who uh, become richer uh, don't see any measurable improvement in their uh, in their day-to-day money because they start to live richer, right? So uh, I've got 100 bucks and I live on 70 bucks a day. I get 100 bucks a day and I live on 70 bucks a day. So I've got... 30 bucks at the, at the end, uh, I suddenly I'm, I'm getting 200 bucks a day, but I'm, I'm still on, like, I'm still rocking 170 bucks a day worth of expenses now because of my new, more expensive lifestyle. And so at the end of the day, I've, I've only got 30 bucks, you know, it's, it's, it's a common thing, right? This taps into that concept, uh, it's not like trying to teach you about it or anything. This it, it's literally just. That's how these cascading priority uh, management games work, right? Like all the good ones anyway, is that, yeah, the more comfortable you are with the place you've got spinning in the air, the more plates it's going to throw at you. And uh, so, yeah, you you start to, you know, you, you make bait so that you can distract a shark while you go underwater and you harvest sand and clay and you combine that sand and clay into bricks and you leave those bricks to dry and the, then you create a forge and then you can smelt a smelter and then you can smelt fucking iron and then you can make a better spear or whatever the fuck you know and it just sort of goes all the way down from there and uh, it's it's really like it's cool. It's a very cool, uh, a very cool, I guess, execution of the concept because you are always tied to this raft, and and it is literally your entire life. And so you've got to manage that as much as possible. And that means like making an anchor, or uh, sometimes like you've got to manage how much space you take up on the rafts and eventually you start to build extra levels on the raft so you can get just a little bit more out of what you've got available what is available and stuff like that you know it's it's not enough to just be uh one level you need the extra levels so that you can get up to something else and and uh like have a little bit more space without like widening your actual footprint because you don't want more opportunities for the shark to chomp on your raft. You know, it can't chomp on your raft if it's upper level and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, I think it is a bit shallow though. Uh, ultimately, like I, I feel like it took us a while, uh, me and Drew, but we, we we're at a point now where survival is not a problem. Um, and I think I think that's a, a, a like an issue. I think that is a 
a bit of a bummer because I think survival always needs to be an issue. And if if it if it gets to a point where it's not, then something needs to be jacked up. And the way the Subnautica did it was it forced you into deeper oceans, right? Deeper parts of the world. Uh, and the um, things that were down there were uh, like much more uh, threatening. And so you had to manage that. And the way the forest did it was uh, it would, you know, throw nastier beasts at you and stuff like that. Um, this is in early access though. So, you know, I don't want to dump on it too much. They might add depth. Yeah. Uh, I hope they do because it does need it. One, like I, th- I think a really good way to to help it out would be to like the further you go in the game or the longer you go, you could definitely write in a reason for it or something like that. Like just have you wake up on this raft with like, uh, some sort of, uh, I don't know, like a weather forecast or something and just have like sunny day, sunny day, sunny day, like light rain, so that people understand how the weather system works. There is weather in it. It's not at all threatening. It doesn't fucking matter. All it does is reduce visibility. Um, But light weather and then, um, like, have, like, a month from now uh, or, like, have two weeks from now have it, like, storms. And then underneath have... uh, are we a month away from a superstorm or something like that? Right. And have that as an end, as a, as a survival goal, because you've got a, a narrative goal, which is create the antenna and the receiver. So you can, I assume, find help to get away. But, uh, having a survival goal is a really good idea, a really good way to sort of, um, incentivize players to focus on, a larger, uh, like, function of their survival, I guess. And uh, I think weather would be, like, because that's, you know, if if a raft, if four pieces of wood are your entire life, then your biggest threat is the weather. Uh, assuming, you know, assuming uh, we count out the idea that, you know, heat stroke and shit. You know, assuming that's not going to be a problem, then yeah, weather is going to be, is, is your biggest threat. And so, yeah, like have, have winds that blow shit over, which would incentivize, you can build walls, you can build like all kinds of complex shit in this game that you've got no reason to because it's a waste of fucking resources. Oh, you just wouldn't. You wouldn't build a fucking wall. Because, uh, yeah, it, it, it'd just be fucking... That's that's a bunch of wood that you could have used on something else and shit like that. But if, if walls were, to, like, the way to stop uh, all your shit from blowing away when the, when the storms kicked in, right, uh, then suddenly you'd be like, well, fuck, I need a wall. Fuck, that's that's priority number one. Um, or ha- you can have like multiple. There's a sail at the moment, but you can have like multiple degrees of sails. You can have sails that can withstand a storm, 
and shit. And so the first time you you make your sale and you're like, cool, here's my sale. Just sailing about. It's all good. Uh, and you come into a storm and, you know, it rips your sail down or something. And you got to, like, sort of uh, deal with that. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's... There's, there's room. There's a lot of room for growth. Um, it's it's a lot of fun, right? Like, if you've got it, definitely recommend jumping into our Discord and playing it with us because, uh, yeah, definitely have a lot of fun with it. But um, if you don't have it, I would wait a little bit to, um, I guess, find out, you know, more. Um, I uh, Yeah, I don't know. It says here in the early access details that they're going to have, like, a full adventure where you can go all over the place and uh, and you will be charting courses and stuff. Uh, at the moment, I don't have a problem with just sort of drifting places, but uh, I don't have a problem with the game as this um, aimless drift-a-thon. But if they were like, if they wanted to do that, that'd be fucking, that'd be pretty cool. So it seems like they've got some really good fucking plans for the future. You know, sunken cities, they say stranded ships, caverns filled with treasure and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess that's about it. It's worth, it's worth checking out, but I would wait for now. Uh, I will jump in repeatedly to um, to find out how it's tracking. So uh, I guess just keep listening to the gap. <laughs> Hi. Nice. Uh, all right. What else have we got? Um, that's it. That's all the games I've been playing. More than last week uh, when I played that. Anyway, um, let's do some news, shall we? Okay, first things first, uh, Sea of Thieves, first content drop, uh, is is out now, I believe. And uh, actually, yeah, and it's, it doesn't, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a new threat. It's called the Hungering Deep, I think. And yeah, there's a new threat and it doesn't seem... It's it's too vague. I, I can't trust the game when they keep shit vague anymore. But I need specific patch notes. I understand that they want their the it to be a mystery and shit. But last time it was a mystery. The the Shyamalan twist was that there was fucking nothing. Was that the fucking yeah? It was a balloon covered in fucking whipped cream, not an actual cake. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but I wanted to bring up Sea of Thieves. Polygon apparently interviewed um, the team and uh, spoke to uh, Joe Neat, the executive producer on Sea of Thieves, and uh, he, uh, he said that he was telling them that there was a video that uh, inspired them, and it was the Gentleman Bandit, which is <laughs> a Daisy video um, I made a long time ago, where I held a dude up, and apparently that inspired uh, the team 
to um to make Sea of Thieves. They wanted that reaction uh, out of yeah out of, out of Sea of Thieves, um, which is bananas. Uh, I don't know. I'm just yeah blown away. That that's crazy. That's pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, what else we got? PUBG versus Fortnite. PUBG is suing Fortnite. This is cropped up again. Everyone's being um, interesting about it, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's raised its head again, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's that's more dumbness. I uh, made the mistake of t- being tweeted at by Muzelk. Uh, all I was saying is that uh, like PUBG has a point. They spend a bunch, right? Epic licenses them an engine and then charges them royalties. And uh, then they turn around and create a game. And like, wouldn't anyone be salty at that right like isn't that literally the fucking plot of the founder the mcdonald's fucking movie where these two dudes make this revolutionary fast food system where they can make burgers faster than anyone else because they've measured it all out and they've mapped it and ron swanson is like perfectly worked out where to put pickles to speedily make a hamburger. And then Batman comes along and steals the idea and sells it. And yeah, McDonald's was born off the back of him taking their idea and doing it more successfully. Like I understand that he like Michael Keaton's character is the fucking protagonist in the founder, but he's the bad guy. Everyone can see that, right? But for whatever reason, I don't know. Everyone's fucking cool with it when Epic's doing it. So yeah, all all I said was like, yeah, they have a point, right? Anyway, music tweeted at me and it's it's unleashed a lot of crazies uh, on me. Um, which is cool. I'm still getting, I had to mute a bunch of tweets so I wouldn't like my notifications are literally just that just to him, like, or people backing him up or pretending they found the tweet independent of him. Like they were just looking for PUBG stuff and then saying literally what he said. Um, so thanks, Elliot. Anyway, um, like I'm still of that opinion. I, I got to be clear. There's no way they win this fucking lawsuit, right? It's a dumb lawsuit, but I understand being fucking cheesed off because Epic are the bad guys. Like, how is that a question? Ugh. Ugh, I don't know, man. It's lunacy. Lunacy. Um, what else? Uh, Fallout 76 is announced or teased at least 
but we've got no details on it yet. Uh, so all we've got are more rumours, but rumour has it is that it's going to be Daisy in Fallout, right? Um, like an online survival RPG, I think Jason Trier has described it as, or says his sources have described it. So you'll have base building uh, and you'll have um, like multiplayer and yeah, you'll be able to, I don't know, survive in the Fallout world with friends. Uh, I said this on Twitter, uh, but yeah, I think, I don't think this can be on the Gamebryo engine because the Gamebryo engine barely runs on like with single player, right? Uh, has there ever been a multiplayer mod of any of the Gamebryo engine games that's been successful or like not successful, like just, uh, I guess, well optimized, like run actually well, doesn't it usually like people warp all over the place. And the charm is that you're playing Skyrim with friends more than, uh, it actually being a good user experience, right? So in that sense, I don't think, yeah, it seems to me like they've got a fucking, they, they can't use Gambrio, which the real question out of that is if they're using Crytek, which, because uh, apparently it's being made by the team that was working on Battlecry and they were using Crytek for Battlecry, then if, if they're using Crytek, will people want to go back to the fucking Gambrio engine after they've seen a Fallout game in, in Crytek? Because I know I fucking wouldn't. Good God. They'd be like, fucking hell, I don't know. Um, it'd be like fucking having a, my wife having to come back to me, to Lardo Jobo, when she's hung out with my skinny bearded twin brother the fucking an entire weekend. Like... Thank God I've got all this personality because he is literally just fucking skinny hipster, like model version of me. Like, good God. It's ridiculous. It's out of control. Why, why would she? Cause I got all this personality, obviously. Maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe the next fallout on game Brewer will just have a lot of, a really good personality. Um, or maybe it's just, you know, convenience. Maybe it's just easier. Maybe like, um, I don't know. It's too depressing a train of thought. What am I doing here? Bumming myself out. Um, I'm interested to see how it wraps, how it goes. Um, yeah. I will definitely, if it's Day Z in Fallout, I'm, I'm there. Um, yeah. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Like fucking E3, right? It's close. Hopefully Luke will be alive long enough to actually check it out, right? That's all that matters. Um, yeah. So what else we got? Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee uh, announced. So this is Pokemon Yellow, right? But um, on the Switch and for a new generation, I guess. Uh, 
I'm pretty confused about the um, excitement for this because it doesn't seem that deep to me. Uh, like, I get to f I, I'm pretty sure there aren't random battles. Okay. Boy! Okay, sorry, that was my, um, that was my kickstand. I built a new bike. Uh, I can't remember what we are talking about. I built a new bike, though. Um, my bike. The bike I used to ride everywhere. Um, it broke while I was riding it. The handle, the handlebar column literally snapped off, uh, and, uh, I went right over the fucking top of it. It was pretty good. Got a really good scratch down the inside of my fucking leg. Uh, I was lying, uh, like just sick gravel ra uh, rash on my palms. It was pretty good. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So all, all around a really cool time. Um, I'm lying on the ground. I had my headphones in. I was listening to an audiobook. I was writing to uh, shoot the podium for the week. And, uh, yeah, lying on the ground. Hands all fucked up. And um, this old dude walks over to me and he's like, yapping at me. And so I, like, still lying on the ground. I take my headphones out. And I'm like, sorry. And he said... Your bike broke, and then he walked away. Uh, uh, that was that was that was quite an encounter. Uh, there was a bike cop, police police by uh, police officer on a motorbike, sitting literally right next to where I'd stacked it, and he flipped his visor up and he's like, "You okay, mate?" I'm like, "Fucking Larry David, what the fuck?" Uh, yeah, sure, I guess. It, it, like, yeah, whatever. Shrug emoji, I guess. And uh, he flipped his visor down without even waiting for me to answer. So I guess he was just trying to see if I could hear people still or whatever. Anyway, nobody helped me. Uh, that was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I had to drag my fucking bike. I dragged it over to a... Um, to a bike rack and I parked it in it and then I didn't lock it up and then I walked away because if someone wants to steal my half a fucking bike do it to it I might go check and see if it's still there today because I've got a new bike bought a new one off eBay uh, twice the price of my old bike uh, which means it clocks in at $300 because my old one was $150 uh, this one is crazy. I had to put it all together myself. Uh, didn't connect the brakes, so I found that out the fun way because there's an intersection at the end of my street. And uh, I didn't connect the front brakes, um, which are incidentally the right-hand brakes. And I always use my right hand to brake. I don't know why. Uh, on my old bike, uh, the brakes disconnected themselves a couple of times. Uh, and I just never really bothered so I probably won't do anything about the front brakes on this one uh, but yeah my first instinct is always to like gently slow down with the front brakes and uh, use the back brakes to like cram on if I need to really quickly stop 
Um, I don't know why that is, but it's just not an option here, so I have to use the back brakes. Um, what else was there? Oh, yeah, um, the handlebars. I don't know. I mustn't have tightened them enough, but uh, they came pretty loose. So that was cool. That was fun to find out while I was writing it. Um, like, I'm literally... Because it, it's also, like, it's it's a big bike, and it it's, like, framed so that I'm supposed to lean forward onto it. And uh, because the handlebars were wiggling, um, I had to, like, press down to keep them in place because uh, it turns out that uh, if you're leaning forward, yeah, your um, center of gravity is forward as well. And so handlebars moving around makes things pretty fucking dangerous. But uh, I managed to live through it. Um, yeah, it took me a while to work out how to pump up the tires because I'd never encountered the valve type before. Good times. I'll tell you what, hey, just fucking, you know, maybe one day I'll just, what, what if I just spent a bunch on a bike? But see, my problem is, right, I don't want to spend a fuck ton on a bike because then I'll, I'll feel like I need to justify the purchase. And suddenly it's like 4.30 in the morning and I'm riding in a pack of lycra-clad dickheads on the fucking M1, eight abreast, taking up two lanes while people like beep and they drive past me. And I'll be like, fuck them. How dare they? I'm I'm entitled to use this road. Meanwhile, the reality is just fucking get off the fucking road, mate. Fuck. Anyway, um, yeah. I have a very complicated relationship with cyclists now that I'm riding a bike all the time. Because I used to be all like, oh, fucking cyclists, you know, obey the fucking road rules and shit. But then when you're actually riding a bike a bunch, right, if you have to slow down for a red light that you could very easily just blow through, right, without any any danger to anyone except a pedestrian might have to, I don't know, slightly alter where they're walking, right? Fuck me. Like, Jesus Christ, you're doing it. Because stopping and then starting again, oh, my Lord, it's it's agony. It's the worst thing in the world. So you're like, fuck yeah. I'm, I'm gonna... Actually, when my bike broke, my plan, I was actually literally just about to blow through a red light. So I figured that the, the bike breaking might have saved me from getting a fine from the motorbike cop guy because he definitely would have been watching me. Um... So yeah, uh, like now, now I'm doing now I've got the other perspective. I could see see the appeal, but on the other hand, I'm like walking down a path yesterday, so I had to walk places because my fucking hadn't bike hadn't arrived yet, and I had to go to the shops. Walking down the path to the shops, this guy's sitting there behind me dinging, and. Uh, He's dinging and he's just like, yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks for moving, mate. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks for moving. And I'm still walking on the path, right? And uh, I stopped and I turned around. I'm like, why don't you just ride off the path and ride around me? It's like, yeah, thanks for moving. Thanks, thanks, thanks. And he went to ride around me, like to sort of just like shove past me. So I just like shifted my weight so that I took up all of the path. Like this this path in particular, it's on the side of the um, highway and it's got these bushes that take up like a quarter of the path already. So you can pretty much block an entire path just by, I don't know, standing like a normal human being 
And uh, and he's like, what are you doing, mate? What are you doing? Why aren't you letting me pass? And he's got his headphones in and he's clearly not listening. I'm like, just ride around. So I'm pointing at the grass. He can just ride on the grass. He's like, this bike isn't made for grass. It's not made for grass, mate. He's clearly still not listening, but he's seen me gesture at the grass. I'm like, cool. So I turn around and I continue walking on the path. Uh, and he starts dinging again. And he keeps dinging for another, like, 30 seconds, just riding, like, barely fast enough to stay, like, on the bike. He's... I'm pretty sure he has to be putting his feet down every now and then to rebalance himself. And uh, eventually he rides around on the grass and gives me this look, like, how dare you? How dare you make me take my, my precious bike on the grass? Tell you what, mate, if you bought a 300 buck bike, you wouldn't worry about going on the fucking grass because it doesn't fucking matter, right? It's going to fall apart the moment fucking anything happens to it anyway. So grass, path, it's all good, baby. That's what I'm trying to avoid. I'm trying to avoid spending too much, so much on my bike that I'm now like dinging it, motherfuckers. I don't have a bell. I never use my bell. When, uh, when people are standing on the path in my way, there's a bus stop that has shit tons of people at it. And they'll just stand all over the path and uh, they'll like rock back and forward on their, like just sort of take a step forward and a step back, like some sort of fucking video game obstacle, like a fucking turtle from Mario or some shit, right? And uh, yeah, I'll I'll just be like, ding. I'll just yell ding. Um, Because I don't want to yell... Move, bitch! Get out the way! Or something like that, right? Although, if I had a horn, right, that said that, that'd be amazing. But, uh, yeah, so I just I just yelled ding. And uh, they'll look at me and then, like, they'll get a startled look in their eyes and they'll get out of the fucking way. Some of them are utterly oblivious. Uh, they just don't give a fuck. But, you know... I, like, I'm very conscientious conscientious about not running into people. I've never hit anyone on my bike. I don't think it's that hard. Uh, but as a pedestrian, I've been hit multiple times. And i got to say, I'm very fucking... I'm very aware of where I'm riding, so... Uh, uh, where I'm walking. So it's not like a, I'm rocking back and forth like a fucking Mario Turtle. Like, when I get clipped by a bike, it's because... Some cyclists are just fuckheads. Anyway, Pokemon news. Pokemon Yellow, um, I believe. Uh, so it's half Pokemon Go, half um, Pokemon Yellow, I believe. I've, 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 I was reading earlier, and they were like, they were saying that there's no random encounters, and so all of the captures you do are Pokemon Go style, I believe. Um. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. All I'm, all I'm happy, like, I'm just happy that it's like fucking, uh, I guess not Alola. I don't know. They got as long as it doesn't have unskippable cutscenes, I'll be okay. Uh, but it seems like a pretty shallow version of Pokemon Go, uh, Pokemon rather. Like it's, it's definitely a hybrid of Go and a regular Pokemon game. And I think people who are going in expecting, uh, a Pokemon RPG will be pretty disappointed. Um, but 
don't know. Maybe more news will come out. Um, I'm definitely never going to walk around with a Pokeball that yells Pikachu or Pikapee because I think I'd actively avoid people who did, to be honest. Um, actually, that reminds me of something. I was at the... Don't worry about it. I'll talk about it later. Um, I would actively avoid people who did this, mostly because I think at some point, right, like sitting at a cafe and stroking your Pokeball um, like a super weirdo is a it's a pretty clear sign. You know, there's that Gary Larson, that Fast Sign comic of uh, how nature... Um, how nature tells people, uh, tells things to stay away. And it's got like a puffer fish that's all puffed out or a rattlesnake rattling its rattle. And it's got this crazy person with like a bunch of crazy things on. That's, that's what that feels like to me. Uh, if it's a child, I fucking go for it. But if it's a like grown adult, yeah, I don't know. It's, you're pretty obsessed with, Getting your Pokemon leveled up. I don't know. Probably, I'd probably stay away. That's pretty judgy, though, eh? I'm being pretty judgmental. I'm usually not all that judgmental. I like to think of myself as a cool, not terribly judgmental guy. Although, obviously, that's not true. Obviously, I'm a judgmental dickhead. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard being me. You know, self-aware enough to know that you're a dickhead, but... Too lazy to ever do anything about it. Yeah. Yep. It ain't easy being cheesy, baby. Um, what else we got? Gfinity Australia. Oh, I'm going to talk about it now anyway. Gfinity Australia launches tomorrow. Uh, 2nd of June. Uh, Gfinity kicks off. It's uh, like a very serious attempt to create a league system, but they've, they've gone all out. I went and visited the Hoyts Stadium that they've got, uh, the Esports Stadium out at Hoyts in Moore Park yesterday. Uh, it's slick. I think it's really cool. Um, it's built into like a cinema, but they've got like all this shit going on. They're broadcasting on channel on one. Uh, the They're broadcasting the Rocket League. The rest of it will be on Twitch. Um, yeah, I'm fucking pumped. I think it's a really good step in the right direction for esports, and I'm stoked. Um, I'm I'm really happy to see what they've managed to put together, and uh, yeah, I'm I don't know. I'm proud to be like in this area while it's all going on. Um, let's travel. Uh, this is what I was going to talk about before me being judgmental, but uh, we we went into the, like the players area where the players get prepped before they go out on stage to play. And um, one of the guys, I don't know who he was, but uh, he was like, oh, oh, you're going to need just cases of Rexona here. Hey. (laughs) I've done with that. I can't do it anymore. This idea that gamers smell bad, right, is fucking horseshit. Right? It's just so lame. Like, especially esports players, because they're all like 99% of them are very aware of 
public perception of them. And they're also very fucking uh, aware of, like, people's perception of esports players in general. And they all generally take a lot of care to, I don't know, uh, avoid fitting into those stereotypes. I have not met a single esports athlete who has stunk like fucking of course of course but uh the the warriors locker room smelled probably the like the strongest bo smell i've ever smelled in my entire life but of course it does because it's a fucking locker room and it's filled with sweaty dudes right that though how come we don't hear fuck? Oh, you better get a bunch of Rexona. <laughs> fucking dickheads. Like, I, I just can't handle that. That's such... Is that your fucking... Is that your sense of humor, cunt? Like, is trotting out fucking Big Bang Theory jokes? Fuck's sake. And he looked around at everyone and it was, I think, his employee and uh, a PR person and... Uh, I think another PR person. I think she was another person. I don't know. Or maybe like a makeup person. I'm not sure. She was in the room already. Um, And he looked around when he made his hilarious joke uh, at everyone. And they're all like, ha 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 ha. Until he got to me and we just connected on a deep level. And I hope he never makes that fucking joke again. I didn't tell him uh, out loud. I didn't say out loud. That joke's terrible and you should be ashamed of yourself. But he stopped laughing the moment our eyes connected because I just stared. I just stared at him deep into his soul. I just wanted him to know that I didn't think that joke was funny or that he was funny. And he stopped laughing and he didn't talk again until uh, we'd finished with that portion of the tour. So uh, it was pretty good. Anyway. Uh, B.O. jokes. They're not funny anymore, and I'm done with them. Uh, they still happen all the time. Like, fucking it's Reddit's favorite joke. You'd think that Reddit, these fucking... Holy shit, no life losers. You spend, like, eight hours a day not doing work, sitting on a fucking internet forum, would know better than to make fucking jokes about gamers being sweaty nerds. But fuck me, no, nah, they can't help themselves. It's because... That is, it's it's shorthand to some, like, people who still unironically call others nerds. That's what it is. It's fucking dipshit virtue signaling. Fuck that shit. Anyway, Gfinity's going to rule. Uh, check out twitch.tv slash gfinityau. I'm very pumped. I'm actually genuinely pumped. Um, yeah, it's going to be cool. Uh, 3 p.m. I think tomorrow and then 10 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to be out there. If you're going out there and this has gone out in time for you to listen to it, then say hello or don't. I don't think anyone ever does. That's fine. I'm okay with it. Anyway, uh, next up, active shooter controversy. Yeah, there was this fucking really dumb controversy earlier this week uh, about a game called Active Shooter. A lot of people were getting very upset about it. Uh, you played one of two roles. You were either a SWAT member or you were a school shooter. And uh, it was it was 
on Steam via their new version of Steam Greenlight. And uh, people were very upset that this game was coming out. And I don't understand why, because it is clearly an attack, like clearly just trolling. It's just blatant trolling. Um, yeah, I went all the way down the rabbit hole on this one. My, my initial reaction was fucking why? Like, why, why are you, why do you care? And then I went all the way to like, this is a Russian developer and, uh, Maybe this is like Russian propaganda to try and pit gamers against uh, left-wing gun control camp uh, activists because uh, they'll they'll get politically neutral gamers to feel that liberals, air quotes, uh, are trying to take away their games. Like liberals are trying to take away their guns. And uh, they'll find themselves in alignment. But uh, I think it was a failure, mostly because uh, everyone could see that it was a shitty game. And uh, yeah, most like the people who were behind it were mostly just trolling as well. Uh, If it had been ignored from the outset, then um, it wouldn't have gotten any traction at all. Uh, So really... Uh, yeah, just don't look. Just don't look. Just don't look. Yeah, like that's just it's troll shit. Just fucking ignore it. God, it's really easy. Anyway, um, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Russian propaganda. I think I went too far down the fucking conspiracy hole on that one. Um, and finally, uh, John Total Biscuit Bane uh, passed away late last week. And, um, yeah, uh, that's sad. I have a complicated fucking, a complicated, uh, I think the general public has a different relationship to Total Biscuit than, uh, the games media would because, uh, Total Biscuit was an enemy of the games media. And I don't mean, uh, we, we, uh, as if we're some fucking nebulous, uh, body, but I don't think like he was created, uh, or made into an enemy by the media. He made himself into an enemy of the media because, because of his actions. And so it's, it's complex, uh, for, like my reactions to his death are complex because not because like I saw a bunch of shit that said he deserved to die. And I think that's fucking that's off. Like that is well off. It doesn't matter. Right. Like he, he did not do any violence to anyone. It's not he like, it's not like Bill Cosby died. That's some different shit, right? Like, saying you're glad he died is some shit. Uh, I think it's off, well off, because at worst, he was uh, deliberately combative towards games media. Uh, And generally, he was just a person who was paid to react or to, like, give his opinion on things as quickly as possible 
and often he would moderate his opinions further down the line and once once he had more information like he was a man who would often react out of ignorance and then qualify and quantify and uh, explain what he like what his position was once he had more information but because he was putting out content as regularly as commonly as he did he often didn't have enough time to get the full picture and would say things that he would like often retract or yeah if not fully retract just yeah quantify and explain and the nature of the internet is that nobody ever remembers the people just remember the score right that's the that's the case in everything if Total Biscuit said fucking Gamergate has a point, right? And what he means is, uh, you know, there there are some issues with uh, how the media and game publishers uh, relate to one another, right? People, and he explains that at length, and he did, right? People don't remember that. People just remember the fucking school and his score was game game gate has a point right and so that's how he's judged and people are like well i'm happy he's dead or whatever the fuck that's fucking off like obviously you don't want to be judged by the fucking by by being fucking happy someone's dead right imagine if that's that's how you were judged eternally as the person who said i'm glad such and such is dead that's fucking shit, right? There's no nuance there, but fucking that's that's internet discourse in the year 2018. So fucking anyway, uh, it's it sucks. I, I I said it on Discord. Uh, I think he did a lot of um, I did I did a lot of great things for getting people to appreciate games criticism. Uh, as something deeper than just a score uh, and he did a lot to get uh, to grow how we think about what we want out of games criticism he was very much um, like games criticism as a function of the consumer and I think it helped define what how people wanted to approach uh, their particular brand of or their particular type of games criticism like I don't think I think there's a space I think if, if we, it, it's like a, a spectrum and you can be games criticism as critique or as an academic pursuit and you can have games criticism as a function for the consumer and I think that um Obviously, Total Biscuit's style was very close to the consumer end. Uh, And I think, like, his efforts allowed people to... uh, Allowed some people, like myself, to really, like, clarify where they wanted to be on that spectrum. And I wanted to be as close to the middle as possible. I don't want to be all the way for the consumer. I I want to end with some sort of fucking... Uh, advice uh, on whether or not it's worth buying. I want people to have like have that 
function from my review. I want them to get that out of it, but I'd also want them to like think about the the growth of games or a specific topic or like and a, a, a helped client like help me clarify how I approach games. And I think that's fucking awesome. And uh, I, I I owe that to him. But on the other hand, uh, he was an enemy of the games medium. And um, and he was an enemy of traditional games reviewers, and I think that in all like in a lot of ways, uh, he used his platform to attack what I love, and so yeah, we like it, it is a complicated way, like a complicated fucking situation because. Yeah, he he hated traditional games reviews and he was a very big proponent for this idea that we're paid off and uh and he would constantly and it was in his interests and he would constantly gloss over the not like not always, just to clarify. He was definitely on it when he was on it, but uh, he would repeatedly gloss over the fact that YouTube is just as, if not fucking way more susceptible to our uh, influence from publishers uh, because there is, there's no fucking, there's no, it's law. It's lawless rather. Like it's the fucking wild west, YouTube and Twitch. That shit's the wild west. You, they take money all the fucking time. They'll take money for fucking any, any reason. They'll, they're, they're hungry for money. They want that cash. Meanwhile, at least, at least like for all our faults, games journalists, uh, adhere to a pretense of uh, editorial independence. And I think he was very quick to discount that, like the pretense at the very least. But uh, the fact that I've literally never met a single fucking game journalist who's taken any money from a publisher. And I've obviously never done it. And I've worked hard my entire fucking career to try to be as balanced and try to be as um, honest as I can. And so, yeah, every time he would attack game journalists or game critics or game reviews, traditional game reviews, it felt like a personal attack. And so, yeah, it's complicated. Obviously, I'm sad that, that he passed away. And I think that it was spectacular that he managed to fight for as long as he did. And, uh, and, he was clearly very strong and uh, I hope, I hope his family's doing well. That's it. Um, Yeah, it's obviously sad. Uh, Anyway, that's the last piece of news. Uh, Oh yeah. And check out discord. Um, Where is it? Firestorm wrote, I thought a pretty nice um, eulogy uh, for, for Total Biscuit on uh, Flak Test. And obviously, like I've already said, I don't agree with everything because he had, like, Firestorm had a different relationship, you know, as a, um, like, you know, the, the impact that he had was different. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he did a good job of, uh, of summarizing. I guess his community's thoughts and uh, like the flat test community's thoughts and his thoughts on uh, on what Total Whisker did. So have a look at that. 
Um, let's do some questions, questions, questions. Clickety, 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 click. Okay. Crossy Raven writes, Morning, gents. Gent Solo, buddy. Sorry. Just finished listening to the latest podcast, Home Alone, The Joby Incident. Nice. Uh, and wondered when one of you out there, do you listen to the podcast and wonder what the fuck? Also, love the tip on the mashed potatoes, even if there was no steak. Love your work, guys. Um, I was uh, <laughs> I was listening back to see if Luke had up- uploaded the podcast correctly and uh, jumped in to the bit where I was talking about mashed potatoes. I'm like, what the fuck am I talking about here? Well, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is good advice. Yeah, nailed it. Perfect. Um, I don't listen to the podcast when uh, I'm not on it. I also don't listen to it when I am on it. But um, I don't listen to – the only podcast I listen to is um, Hardcore History pretty much. Oh, and how did it, how did this get made? So, um, yeah, I don't really listen to podcasts. I reckon Luke – uh, would probably listen to the solo podcasts, but we'd have to ask him specifically. He probably would, except he, he's he got the giant bombcast and uh, he loves listening to their terrible opinions more. So he probably doesn't listen to this one because uh, they have, oh man, every time, every time we drive in anywhere, right, he'll put their podcast on and I have to listen to it and I just want to yell. They just, they just... It's just wrong. But I imagine that's how people feel listening to my to me yap on about shit nonstop. Me trashing fucking cyclists in one, one sentence and then explaining how I'm just as bad as them in the next. So, uh, yeah. Good question, Preston. Good stuff. I actually made a fucking spectacular steak. Tomahawk steak. Put a, Twitter, a picture on my Twitter. Uh, should see that shit. It was fucking amazing. It's uh, as big as my fucking barbecue, this thing. It's a kilo of fucking steak. Uh, I'd say 300 grams of it is just the bone. Uh, it's a massive fucking bone. And uh, it's called a reverse sear. What you do is you chuck it in your oven. Sorry, cover it in uh, salt. Salt it up good. Chuck it in your oven on a rack. It's got to be on a rack. It can't be flat, right? It's got to be on a rack. Uh, at the lowest possible temperature, your oven will do, provided said temperature is above 85 degrees. Um, but yeah, a lot of ovens don't do lower than like 100, I've seen. Mine luckily does 90. You leave it in there for uh, an hour. I think it changes depending on the thickness, but I've never, never gone... Uh, more than two hours. So you'd leave it in there from an hour to two hours. Uh, if it's like really thick, I left this bad boy in for an hour and 40 minutes uh, and you let it cook through and then you take it out and what you want to do, the reverse sear is, so normally when you sear meat, you, um, you're you browning it on the outside to keep the juices in is the theory. And you still want to do that when you're slow cooking stuff but that's because uh, the Maillard effect, right, which is the caramelization of proteins, uh, kicks in, right, and it actually changes the flavor profile of meat. So you want to do it when you're slow cooking. Uh, for example, if you're making a chili, right, you want to brown the chunks of meat that you're using. So they've got some of that Maillard effect and, uh, and, and it sort of seeps into the rest of it. But uh, you don't want to sear your steak first if you're cooking it uh, anymore. You want to, yeah, reverse it. 
So then uh, once you've finished cooking it in the oven at the lowest possible temperature, you crack it out, uh, cover it in oil, salt, and pepper, and you want to put it in the hottest fucking pan you've ever done. And you do uh, you do like a little bit of oil uh, on the in the pan, wait for it to get hot, add some butter. You, want, you leave the butter until after because the butter proteins will burn a lot faster than the proteins in the oil. And so it has a, um, I think it's a lower smoke point is what it's called. And uh, so if you put it, if you put the butter in first or at the start, then it'll start to smoke real quick. And you don't want that because it just fills your kitchen with smoke. You can't do it if you're like, if you don't give a fuck, but um, you shouldn't. So you wait and then you just let the butter melt and then you chuck once it's super fucking hot, like the hottest your pan will get you chuck the fucking steak in and you let it sizzle for 30 seconds and then you flip it and another 30 seconds and provided it's hot enough, you might need to go a little bit longer, right? But you don't want to go over, I think it's, you don't want to go over 90 seconds, right? Either side, but you want that brown on the outside that you want it to look like a fucking steak. Uh, if, if you can't get it to do that, um, there are tricks and I'll tell you that in a second, right? Uh, but you flip it either side, you get that fucking, you get it to like tighten up. You can see it. You can actually see it happen when you're looking at the fucking pan, but the it'll actually shrink a little bit as the pro, like as the proteins and the muscles and all the bits of meat like lose all their moisture and they shrink and they tighten up, right? And then you crack it and you don't actually need to, you know how you're supposed to like let a fucking steak rest for 10 minutes you don't need to do that with the reverse here because it it's it adds literally nothing to the table it brings nothing so you just crack it straight on your plate with your fucking mashed potatoes and your broccolini and uh you eat that bad boy and you will find that if it's got to be a thick steak right just to clarify you can't do this with fucking thin steaks you gotta get that big fat bad boy but uh you'll find that it is a fucking beast it's Gorgeous shit. It is spectacular. Um, it'll be like perfect, rare, medium rare, all the way fucking through. And it'll be the juiciest shit you've ever had. Just perfect. Uh, I, I do it over sous vide now, uh, like for all my steaks, just because it's so much easier than trying to sous vide a steak. Sous vide a steak's a pain in the fucking dick. Um, so yeah, there's just no point. You just... Fucking do anyway. Though the trick I was going to talk about. So the tomahawk, right? There is not a fucking. I don't have a fucking frying pan that will fit this tomahawk steak. Uh, so I have to chuck it straight on the barbecue. So what I do is I get that fucker as hot as humanly possible, um, which it gets pretty hot. So I got to leave it. I usually got to fucking let it preheat for like fifteen minutes. So I turn the barbecue on full ball, close it, walk away for fifteen minutes, come back, spray it with some uh, spray oil. Uh, like just you know olive oil in a spray can or whatever the fuck uh, you just want want to make sure the steak doesn't stick when you chuck it on alright whack that bad boy on usually because of the way uh, the grill works usually it's not going to be as hot as uh, a pan with oil in it so you, usually I leave it go for uh, a full minute to start then I flip it and then uh, you, you can see after uh, if it if it's browned up enough. Um, if it has, 
right? One minute either side, and then you chuck it for 30 seconds on the on the edge, right? The the flat edge. You know, you got your um you got the top side, the bottom side, and you got the bone edge, right? Or the 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 fatty bit, right? So you don't want to put the bone down, but you get a fatty bit a fatty chunk of meat and you do that for 30 seconds and you take it and crack it on the fucking cutting board and you get out a um and this is the trick part you get out a uh, brulee a creme brulee torch just like any old fucking kitchen blowtorch right but usually you find them for creme brulees and uh and you torch torch all the fat and torch the tops and uh, you can see you can see the shrinking happen because uh, the heat that comes out of the butane torch is a lot higher than um, pretty much anything you can get. So uh, it'll happen real quick, and then you chop it and serve it. It's fucking amazing, top notch. Um, anyway, steak, good stuff. All right, Simo Templar writes, "Hey guys, I'm good pine. I'm." Going through some of my back catalogue of games and noticed I have Metal Gear Solid 5, Ground Zeroes, and Phantom Pain I picked up through Xbox games of gold. From memory, Joby preferred Phantom Pain as the better game. Given the only other Metal Gear game I've played is the original, would I be too lost if I jumped straight into the Phantom Pain? Should I play Ground Zeroes first, or do I need to read backstory before jumping into either game? Jump straight into Phantom Pain. Do not play Ground Zeroes. Uh, it's not a bad game, but you are not going to get a lot out of it. I think Ground Zeroes is fan service for Metal Gear fans, uh, and the Phantom Pain pretty much explains everything you need to know, but mostly um, what you're going to get out of the Phantom Pain uh, is the spectacular sandbox that they created and um, the lunacy of the game like I if I were you I'd probably like quit before I finish the Phantom Pain as well because it just gets really Metal Gear loony uh, by the end and uh, yeah I don't think you're going to get a lot out of that as someone who isn't a fan of the series so yeah uh, definitely play the Phantom Pain it is fucking awesome Um, but yeah it doesn't yeah you you won't get shitloads if you're not a Metal Gear fan um, that said, yeah, as a game, it's still fucking awesome. You'll have to deal with some Metal Gear, uh, I guess, like, isms, Metal Gear-isms, but, uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, awesome game. You'll enjoy it. You'll fucking love it. Um, okay, that's it. That's the podcast. Thanks for the question. Good question. Uh, good questions. Raven and Simo Templar, you can ask us questions by writing in on our Discord or you can um, email us at the GA podcast at gmail.com. We don't seem to get that many emails anymore. Uh, that's okay. I like uh, the Discord system. Pardon me. Yeah. I like the Discord system. And yeah, that's about it. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up. Two hours. Nice. Not bad. My porridge is going to be shit. Uh, you can find us on the gapodcast.com. You can email us at the gapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, the gapodcast. 
uh, Facebook, the GA Podcast, um, Patreon, the GA Podcast. Uh, we are supported by our Patreon patrons. Uh, you're awesome. We love, we like, we're, you make it all possible pretty much. Um, our server costs are out of fucking control. So it's awesome having you guys um, subsidizing that. And uh, yeah, it's legendary. We're very grateful. Uh, nobody has ever taken me up on the offer of buying them a beer, which is fantastic. Um, although I would actually buy your beer. So, yeah. You know. Uh, and uh, yeah. I don't know. That's that's about it for the podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week. I believe Luke will be here before he goes to E3, and then uh, we'll have to work something else out. I'm, I'm definitely going to get Nate on for the E3 podcast. Um, I'm pretty sure he already confirmed that he'd do it. So that's good. And, uh, yeah. Fucking E3 is just around the corner. It's pretty exciting. Um I guess we'll catch you next week. Uh, hopefully Luke isn't dead. Thanks for listening and bye.